welcome to the Miles to Memories podcast. I'm Sean Coomer, your host, joined as always by MTM's managing editor, Mark Osterman. Joe Chung has the week off, although he, I hope he's still editing and producing this. <laughs> I think, uh, like, he's like, oh, sorry, you know, stuff with the family or whatever. Pretty sure it's because the team that shall not be named choked a big time, so he just didn't have the heart. That's my guess. He's probably just trashed this whole podcast after I said that and won't uh, be doing anything now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's just gonna leave it all unedited and, and put it up there. My Packers went to London and they they laid an egg. They were like dominating the Giants early, and then they just how are the Giants doing so well this year? It's it's bizarre. It is crazy. Yeah, they're what are they four and one? So yeah, it's good good for Giants fans. Bad for Packers fans. They don't need it. Giants have a lot of history of winning. So you know what? Give it to some of the small guys once in a while. That's funny. Is like. Uh, my nephew, my my four-year-old nephew, my brother, is a big Vikings fan, and he has my nephew into the Vikings, or he's trying to get him into the Vikings. And at that age, you know, he's all excited to, to tell you stuff, right? And uh, I was like, Jacob, I'm going to teach you how to count right now. All you need to, The only number you need to know is zero, which is the number of championships that your Minnesota Vikings have won. That didn't, that didn't go over. I almost got kicked out of my brother's house. But it was uh, it's, fun to, it's fun to talk a little bit about the... The Vikings, sorry to offend any Vikings fans out there, but my least favorite team. The four of them, yeah. Uh, no. <laughs> I mean, Kirk Cousins, I, I root for him because he went to Michigan State, so I'm a tiny Vikings fan because of that, I guess. Well, you know what's funny, and this is, we'll get off sports talk because I know we started talking sports last week too, but for most Packers fans, I feel like the Bears are their biggest rival. Like, the old school Packers-Bears was the thing, but in my lifetime, you know, cheering for the Packers since the early 90s, the Vikings were really the the team, right? With Randy Moss and Dante Culpepper and Brett Favre. Since then, yeah, well, Brett, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know how happy I was when Brett Favre threw that interception to like cost them going to the Super Bowl. He was always uh, good was, for one uh, of those throwing it while looking the wrong way. Yeah. Oh, he did that to us so many times where he threw stupid picks, and to watch him do it for the Vikings uh, was definitely deeply satisfying. Uh, so how is uh, your week on? You just uh, closed up the cabin for the weekend? I mean, for the year, I mean? For the weekend. Yeah, uh, definitely uh, sad. I'm, pr- I'm pretty sad right now. So it was a great weekend. We had uh, good weather. It was like the we weren't going to be able to use it. And then it's getting cold enough that you have to worry about stuff freezing and, and all that. So, you know, some years we pushed it out into November. And, and this year with what the kids have going on and travel schedule and everything, it just, you know, past this weekend didn't really make sense. So... We went up there, had one last weekend, which was really good. Uh, got to hit some of our favorite places, checked out some new places, you know, had the fire, went down by the water. My daughter, actually, we got up there on Thursday because they they had school off for Thursday and Friday. And we got up there, it was like 72, 73, pretty warm, shorts and t-shirts and stuff. We go down to the water, put our feet in. It's not overly cold. It's like kind of like early June water temperature. So she kept begging and begging, and she ended up jumping in the the lake fully clothed and did one last dip for the year. So that was pretty cool to see. And then today, plumber came up, blew all the lines out, uh, locked everything up, and that's all she wrote for six, seven months. So depressing. It's definitely uh, something sad. You know, you don't really think, you, you know you'll be back, but when you're looking at it as you leave, it's like you're losing a child or something. It's, it's bizarre. It's crazy, uh, you know, how it's been, what, th- this is your third season up there now third year that you've gotten to well, the fr- yeah the first year we uh i think we took it over in like late september early october 
So we got a couple months, but yeah, so this is the second full year, but third technical year, yeah. Good times. But yeah, like you say, you'll get to go back up there and I get I guess it's not much warmer where you live. Like if you live somewhere warm, you could be like, Oh yeah, well, I can't go to the cabin because it's freezing up there. But it's not like it's any less freezing where you're where you live. It's just uh, it, it, it gets a couple it's like five degrees warmer uh in Detroit than it is up there. But in the summer it does make a difference. Like you leave here and it's like ninety and steamy and you get up there and there's a little bit of a breeze and it's you know 84 85 it, so it, it, it does give you a little bit of a break but nothing you know magical like if you go to kentucky all of a sudden it's 15 degrees warmer type of thing yeah yeah i'm I'm very happy about the weather situation finally here in vegas it was still hot like into the 90s and then now it's just finally been perfect we get that like six months of perfect weather a year where it's like 70s low 80s just you go outside it feels nice so that's good. Although I'm heading to Miami for this weekend, so back to the back to the humidity. <laughs> Miami's yeah, nice, timing. but it's not. Yeah, I'd rather be in Vegas weather right now than Miami weather. I don't know. Yeah, Vegas. I think October, November, April, May, end of March, April, early May. Those are like my favorite times to go. Like shoulder season, season basically, where it's warm enough that you can go in the pool if you want, but not so warm that you feel like you have to or you'll die during the day. So. I think those are the best times to go for sure. All right, let's talk. We have a bunch of like smaller stories to cover this week that are interesting. And uh, after talking about so much travel the last couple weeks, I feel like that's a good way to go anyway. So let's start with like free night certificates. Uh, one of the like best things that ever happened during the pandemic, you know, the pandemic brought a lot of bad stuff to our lives. But one of the best things that ever happened was Hilton changing their weekend free night certificates into anytime free night certificates temporarily for the pandemic. This, you know, the Hilton free night certificates were always so great, but you know, the, one of the reasons was because you could only use them on a Friday, Saturday or Sunday night. And so that really, I don't know, required more strategizing, but now they've worked any night. In fact, I talked a couple of weeks ago about going to Waldorf Cabo and, you know, a thousand plus a dollar a night hotel and using it. I used it at Conrad a certificate earlier this year in Midtown, another like $700. I mean, having a suite a couple blocks from Times Square. Thank you, Hilton. With all that said, Hilton made some great news and they announced that these weekend free night certificates are now free night certificates. They're making this change permanent. You'll be able to use your free night certificates anytime. That just made these things, I don't know, this made their cards a lot more valuable, I think. It's fairly easy to earn these certificates at least a couple of them, and uh, now they're, are they definitely the most valuable free night certificate around now, right? Yeah, I was thinking about doing an article about this, like comparing and contrasting the certificates, you know, with IHG when they turned theirs into a 40k a night cap from uncapped, that kind of pushed Hilton towards the top anyway, and now you have this where you can use it any night, which I think most people probably still use them Friday, Saturday, Sunday, just because that's the way travel works, but it does open it up. And now the only negative thing is you have to find saver space, which isn't always easy with Hilton, but you know, it's not as hard as it is otherwhere where with a Hyatt certificate, you know, if there's an award space, you can use it because it covers the low end, the high end in the, the standard rate where Hilton sometimes like the Waldorf and Maui is 450 K a night every night for like a year. And they never have the, the uh, standard award space. So that's going to be the hard part now. But I still think that these are, are the most valuable now. And something that, you know, the business card 
you might want to spend 15k on that now versus just the surpass and the aspire becomes more valuable because you're getting the certificate that's unlocked so people might hold on to it a bit longer because of that so i mean if you have all three of those cards you can get three certs uh, a year and that's a pretty amazing value especially when they go up to what's the top tier like 115k a night something like that for standard award so immense value for sure yeah, the Waldorf Cabo is 120k. I think that's the most expensive. Uh, I'm sure Hilton's working on making them even more, you know, more expensive. Remember when, I remember when it's 50k. Yeah, I was gonna say 50k, and then it was 95k. But yeah, yeah when before Hilton devalued the the first, what was that like 13, 12, something like that. Man, that program was <laughs> I couldn't even touch it. It was insane the value you could get with the points and and with the award availability and all that stuff. But now if you look at Hilton, like you said, they have some really interesting credit card offerings where you get free nights or you can get free nights through spend. Um, I know a lot of people in the hobby, let's just say they're, you know, people who are casual could get a couple free nights. A lot of people who are spending more, have multiple cards, Hilton cards, you know, they can do even better. I mean, this is also the program where you can get basically top tier status through a credit card, which works very well internationally. I just feel like there's a lot of good stuff to look at here. The one downside is that they have devalued time and time again. Now, like you said, most of their stuff is revenue-based now, so you can still find standard awards, but those are very expensive generally, and then most of their rooms in the hotel are going to be revenue-based. So, you know, uh, a room, maybe if you can find one of the base category rooms, let's say it's at the Waldorf Cabo, let's use that as an example because we talked about it, it's 120000 but just one category above that, which might only be a 30 or $40 cash difference, all of a sudden jumps up to 400000 because it's based on the price. So yeah, there are some challenges with it, but the fact that you can get you know breakfast, you can get upgraded rooms, especially internationally, just all the stuff, plus using these free night certificates where you can kind of piece them together and put together a trip. Like I just used those three at Waldorf Cabo, and you don't even have to book them separately. The one thing that stinks about Hilton for years now is that they don't allow you to book with their certificates online, but they've done some improvements that your certificates now show up in your account, so you can at least see them. There you go. <laughs> but when you book them, the one good thing is when you do book them with a an agent, it all goes on one reservation, so they combine all the certificates together. So the process of booking is fairly easy, um, the only bad thing is you have to make a phone call. Although I will say as a tip, the last two times we've used my certificates, my wife has called for me and they've never questioned it. So get a spouse to call for you. Get a get a, get your P2 on it. <laughs> I just actually, uh, I DM them on Twitter and they, they set it up. You just have to remember to give your Hilton Honors number, the date, like give all the de details. You, they'll ask for your email. So I just like look at a previous time and what they asked for and I give it to them all and now they book it. So that's easier. It might, you know, might take a little bit longer, but they're usually pretty quick. Their social media team is one of the better ones for sure. So that's a good way if you don't want to call. Some people like calling and, and making sure they get it right on the phone. So either way, uh, but it, it does make it a bit better, even though you can't do it online. At least you can send it and then let it be. It might be an hour or two before they get to it, but you don't have to sit there on, and wait for it. Yeah, that's a good, a good uh, point. Uh Anytime you can avoid the phone call and hopefully they're working on that. You know, they added that functionality of being able to see it on your account as silly as that is. Um, so that means, you know, that means something, I guess. I don't know. Uh, getting these loyalty programs to change their website quirks is something that's very slow and happening. You know, the complaining about Hilton certs not being online is something I remember doing seven years ago. Right. I mean, when I used to have 
God, what was the name? I forget that even the name of the, the city card that I used to have that would come with the free weekend. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. I forget, too. I had I had both this, the Surpass and the city card. That was nice, too, when they, you could get both sign-ups and go back and forth. Ah, the good old days. They had two the cards, good old- right? They had the, a no-fee city <laughs> yeah. card, too, right? Yeah, they had a no-fee card, and then they had, I forget the other one, and you could, you could product change. All right, so that is one thing. Now, the other thing is Marriott. This is an unofficial thing. This came from a member of our Diamond Lounge, I think, uh, shared it with us, that basically Marriott, if you're within the last two weeks of a certificate expiring, so two within two weeks of the expiration date, that they will extend it for a year now. Now, again, this is anecdotal coming from a rep there. This isn't an official policy. Do we know if like, if the certificate already has expired? Are you out of luck or is we it only in the last we two don't. weeks? Yeah, we don't know. The, the rep made, uh, and it was uh, Yvonne that sent us a tip, so thank you for that. But the rep uh, specifically said if it's within the last two weeks, we can extend it up to a year. It's a new policy. So the fact that they said it was a policy versus like, hey, I'll just do it for you, which w- they've done in the past. Sometimes you'll get a rep that will will just extend it for you. And he had called back in June on his and had his wife call on hers, and they were unwilling to do it back then. And I think he called one more time later in the summer. So, it, you know, this does seem like it it tracks somewhat, and, and it's unknown if, if, it, if you've already rolled it over once, can you roll it over again? But if you're rolling these things over two, you know, basically three years worth, <laughs> maybe just let it die because... Obviously, you can't find a use for it. We're not trying to shame Sean and his seven night certificate that he had for six years, but that turned into like hundreds of thousands <laughs> of points. Like that—that's the rare case where procrastinating actually turned out very, very well for me. Because uh, instead of forcing myself to stay in like the most luxurious Marriott I could fi- find for my—I had a pretty high—I forget the, the how it all worked out because they converted it so many times, but. I had a pretty high category, cert, not the highest category. But, you know, I've used it for like a lot of lower end hotels. I think they gave me like 600,000 points for it or something. And I've used it a lot of like like town place suites or courtyards, places like that, that have been cheaper on our road trips and stuff. So that worked out really good. But yeah, to your point, I was actually very happy that we burned all of our certs this year because didn't Marriott come out and say that they weren't extending this stuff anymore, that it was pretty much done. So like I was very diligent this year on making sure I burned all the certs because I had been putting the individual night certs off too, so uh, I'm I'm completely clean with Marriott. Happy about that. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of weird about that. Like I always use my certs first because I don't value them as much as points. Even I'll even if it's a high stay at a category three that's like 12k a night, I'll use it there if I have it because I'd rather just get them over with instead of you know people always wait for that perfect redemption and they're sitting there until the end of the year and then they end up doing it at something down the road to go swimming or whatever because they just have to use it before they lose it. So I'm I'm more proactive in that way. Like I used uh, the Hilton cert and when we were in Seattle, that was 90K. It's pretty high end, but it's not top, top peak. But I'm okay with that. Like I'll use it at a 70K or 80K property. I'd, I'd rather use it at pretty good versus have to be excellent and, and then struggle to to fight with it. And that's why when whenever people say, I can't find a use for these certs, I think that they're just trying to find, I can't find a great use for these certs instead of just accepting a good use for them. Yeah, I know you've shamed me over the years and I've come around a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) I've come around a little bit on that, on just making sure to use them. Um, So like with a Hyatt, like I'm I'm still like with those category one through four Hyatt certs, I still have a hard time using it for like a category two, but I'll do a category three now um, as long as I, you know, but that's a little different with Hyatt because I stay enough that I know I have plenty of stays coming up. 
Um, I, luckily, I just with my Hilton search just got it with the with the Waldorf and Cabo. But yeah, I agree with you. Anytime I'm seeing something that makes sense, I'm going to go do it. And, you know, it's really about the hotel and enjoying it anyway, right? It's not about, oh, well, I got a thousand dollar night value or whatever it is. Um, but you, on the other side of that, you don't want to use it for, you know, for like a, a Hilton Garden Inn or something. So, you know, you do want to get something. Maybe you do, if it's in the keys. No. uh, (laughs) (laughs) You see people, wait, wait, wait. You see people that they say that. They're like, yeah, I ended up having to burn it at the airport Hampton Inn. Uh, But it's okay because it worked. I was like, I don't know that I buy that you actually think that that's okay. You're kind of upset with yourself for it. And you know that they had better hotels (laughs) that they stayed at throughout the year and decided not to use it at that time. But I should say, since we talked about pretty much everybody's certs, uh, Hyatt recently, my wife just got one and we're going to Chicago for the kids, uh, birthdays upcoming and staying at the Thompson, which was the, the peak rate or, you know, for a category four. So what is that? 18,000 points or 19, something like that. I'm still not used to the off peak on peak standard, all that jazz, but so it was the higher end. Uh, I had paid with points and I've been trying to transfer points, which I'm sure we'll talk about more next week after I write this article. But I've been trying to transfer points from my wife to my account. I can't get it to go through. It's very annoying, frustrating. So she had a free night cert hit. And I think we've talked about this before, the Hyatt Award Transfer, where you can have your, your P2's account or whatever. Basically, anybody that has a free night cert can call in and add it to your account or have them book it for your account. So I had her book the second night with that free night cert. It's on my account. We get to use my status. I get credit for the stay, which is really cool and kind of unique. You do have to call in. You can't do it on Twitter or anything. And uh, then I was able to cancel that room and use those points uh, for another hotel stay and actually turn that free night cert at a peak award into two nights, uh, you know, with the points at a, a category two somewhere else. So these are the games we play. But, you know, it hit the account and two weeks later, I'm maximizing it to the fullest. Nice. Yeah, it's nice to be able to do that. And that's one of the like lesser known things to be able to do. it. So I, yeah, free night certs, man. They're, it's all part of the game. I think it's such an important part of the game, the free night cert thing. And this year I've, you know, I, I, I feel like I've gotten better at, at playing with that. And uh, it seems like it can be one of those areas where, you know, if you don't focus enough that you could, you could miss out, whether it being waiting too long like me or being a little too ambitious or not maximizing the spending. You know, if you have a, like on the surpass, I always hit that spending, try to always do it in a grocery store. That's great. That's like easy stuff. And, you know, the value that you get is sometimes outsized compared to where you can do it even better than maybe a sign up bonus in some cases, uh, as far as like value per spend and, um, and effort and stuff like that. I'd say also don't let the free night certificate dictate where you travel either. Even so, like not so much destination because if it gets you to go somewhere that you would have never tried, that can be cool. But like if you pick, if you know you want to go to New York City and this hotel works the best for you, but it's 70K a night and, you know, I'm going to go to this one that's 85K a night, even though it's not in the location you want and it ends up being stuffy or something you don't enjoy. Like don't let, you know, trying to maximize value dictate where you stay like that's just a a trap and you'll end up upset with yourself so you know be okay with picking the right hotel for your situation even if it isn't maximum value when you use them yeah that's so important because at the end of the day like you go somewhere you and i have stayed in hotels that are all different values and levels and everything else but at the end of the day you know the trip comes and goes and it's just just very few hotels are ever going to be 
you know, ones that are that were worth the amount of time and effort and energy that you put in to like choosing one or over the other. When you're talking about nicer hotels, I mean, generally you're going to be fine with it. And, uh, you know, very few of them are ever those destinations that you should go out of your way for. And, you know, I, I've done this too, where I sit, I, I sit on a site and I look at the pictures of the hotel and is it this, I go to Google maps, I do my famous aerial of course. views, of course. <laughs> look at the properties, do all that. Pull up map then, quest. <laughs> yeah. But then at the end of the day, it's like, yeah, I, I stayed there. It was fine. And that was, uh, that was good. And I could have stayed somewhere else and it would have been fine. And that would have been good too. I mean, like even like, you know, Park Hyatt, New York gets blown up like a, a lot of people's favorite and stuff. But you're in New York City. How much are you spe- how much time are you spending in the room? It's not like it's enhancing your experience of the city that much. It's a bed. It's a nice room. The location's good if you want to be around Central Park, but it's not like my favorite location. So, it, you know, that's the thing. But it's it's good for pictures or you feel fancy when you're there, I guess. I, but it really isn't. You know, it didn't add to our trip when I stayed there. So those are the things you have to don't get caught up in the hype of something or, you know, the Instagram effect of it. Do what's what's perfect for what you're you're out there to get done when you're in a city or a place or, you know, when you're going to a resort or whatever. That's a totally different story than than it matters. Yeah, I I agree. I stayed in New York a bunch of times. I stayed at the Park High in New York quite a few times. I've enjoyed it when it worked out, but I don't know that it made my stay in New York City any better than staying at any of the other dozen or so hotels I've stayed at in New York City. You weren't like, the American <laughs> History Museum was way cooler because I was staying at the Park Hyatt. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So, yeah, good stuff there. Uh, and we have articles uh, for, for like the Hilton and Free Night Cert, some of those changes we talked about. You can check out the website. All right, so this whole thing might be all for naught if uh, the Credit Card Competition Act of 2022 passes uh, this has been in the news for a few weeks, but this week they're trying to get it uh, passed as a amendment on a spending bill. So they're trying to kind of get this piece of legislation through. Um, it's sponsored by Dick Durbin, who's the guy who famously got the Durbin Amendment passed, which limited debit card rewards back uh, during the Dodd-Frank Act uh, following the Great Recession. Basically... That act uh, added a lot of uh, restrictions to debit card rewards. Over the years, it's been studied, and they found that even though debit card rewards were limited or the amount of swipe fees that could be charged on debit card transactions was limited, less than 1% of the time, I think, that was actually passed on to consumers. But what this new act is basically doing is saying that any large banks over a certain amount of assets have to diversify their payment processors and use somebody other than Visa and MasterCard as one of their processors. So the theory being that you're gonna open up this market to different payment processors, which means that uh, merchants will have a choice, uh, they, they can use different processors, pay lower fees, free market competition, all of this is gonna happen. Um, obviously Walmart, Target, these big retailers are supporting this. They wanna pay less in fees. Let's start here, Mark. Do you think that they're gonna pass on these, if they save fees, if we, limit the amount of fees we make no. more networks happen are they going to pass that on to consumers no. this is going to be good for consumers <laughs> no it'll be good for the uh shareholders because uh, it'll be more money in the the pockets of the company but yeah I, I get what they're trying to do and i think this is all just song and dance to get you know the big the big corporations to get the the visas and mastercards of the world to get come to the table and and uh, you know give better swipe fees i mean the mom and pop places do get hit pretty hard and it's crazy to see 
what a swipe fee at this place will be versus a swipe fee at the grocery store or an office store. Like the fact that the swipe fees change depending on, you know, the coding as well as the card, if it's a premium card or a not premium card, like you think it'd just be, Hey, it's visa. If it's a visa, it's going to cost you 2%. Like you think it'd be flat across the board. So I get that that's kind of messed up in the way that they do it. And that's why you get better rewards at certain categories because they can get higher swipe fees. So if this does go through, it could kind of mess with all of that. But I don't know. I feel like this is just, you know, gamesmanship to get them to come in and say, hey, we'll give the targets of the world this and that. And they're still going to screw the uh, Main Street folks, I think. Yeah. And there's a whole other aspect of this that I haven't seen talked about and I'm not an expert on. So I won't try to say I'm an expert on. But, you know, you have the whole world of crypto. You have new technologies emerging one of the reasons or the, the sort of the historical argument for swipe fees is, you know, there's technology to process transactions, to have everything interconnected. But honestly, with the Internet and, and just ways things have progressed, uh, you have things like we, we pay in China, which are just QR code based payments. There's much more robust payment systems than what we have in the U.S. that costs a fraction of the money to to administer. And so that's true and that's happening, but this sort of almost seems like it's taking a hybrid approach to our system. So right now Visa and MasterCard account for 83% of credit cards in the US and you know there was 77.48 billion dollars in merchant fees paid last year uh, in the US for credit cards. So that's a lot of money and that's a lot of profit for Visa and MasterCard, but the question is is opening this up to new companies, to new payment processors, is this really going to, you know, lower the overall cost? Are there things like security and other things that we're going to, you know, if Chase tomorrow decides to go with a bargain basement processor, uh, in addition to Visa, you know, is that going to be bad for consumers having to deal with less security, things like that? But ultimately, if they cut out, you know, 20% of these charge fees or, or swipe fees or whatever, that money is just not going to go back to consumers. It never has. But on the flip side of that, you and I, as people who love this hobby and stuff like that, benefit from that, right? We benefit from those swipe fees. We benefit from the amount of money that banks are able to make. Obviously, um, you know, banks are not kind of for this. Um, so it's, it's an interesting thing, but do, it, it could happen. I do wonder, like, what percent of the bank's money, like profit, comes from swipe fees and what percent comes from overcharges, late fees, all that stuff. Like if they take a hit on swipe fees, does it really affect their bottom line that much? You know, and, and let's be honest, all these, these costs are already baked into the prices of the stuff we buy. It's not like the Walmarts of the world, the targets of the world are eating this, even the mom and pops, like they haven't increased their prices to, to cover these fees. They're just looking at this line. And I'm like, Hey, if I could get that down, that's more money in my pocket. Even though I'm already charging you for it, I'm charging the people paying cash for it. And I'm still going to charge you the same price, you know, after these fees come down. So it's disingenuous in that that aspect. Like we're already paying for the fees when we charge. And even if we aren't, they're getting the payment up front. People are buying more than they normally would. If you're getting a car repair, you know, you might not be able to go to this place because it's $1,100. But if you can put it on your card and pay it off over 30 or 60 days, you're going to do it. Versus if you have to pay cash, you're not going to go to that place. So they benefit in, in plenty of ways that it makes them more money. So this is all, you know, just BS that's going to end up screwing us somehow. Yeah, it's a very complicated issue, and there's good arguments to be made for both sides, and I understand the arguments of both sides. 
I just don't think it's something that needs to be done at this point. I feel like uh, different crypto technologies, not necessarily Bitcoin, but different blockchain technologies will work better for processing payments. The internet and technology in general has just moved to a point where it's much cheaper and reliable to do that. So I think over time, these fees will come down anyway. Um, but I do think uh, if you see this pass that it's going to hurt credit card rewards. To your point, I don't think that it's going to change things in the way that it did in the debit market because you still have interest and other fees that are much higher in the credit card space compared to the debit card space. So that will still fuel rewards to a certain extent, but uh, it's still going to be a big hit. And especially for smaller banks too, like credit unions, things like that. That is a big portion of their revenue on these products is through the cha interchange fees because they're only lending out to higher credit people, people who tend to pay their bills. And it's really going to depend on products, right? Uh, we've seen, for example, that the Chase Sapphire Reserve has had lower bonuses, right, than the Chase Sapphire Preferred. And that's because Chase recognizes that the Preferred attracts a customer who carries a balance more than the than the Reserve does. Their, their customers tend to pay it off, so they make less money. So all kinds of stuff. But this does seem a little bit like overreach. And it's certainly a little concerning to me that they're trying to push this through as an addition to another bill instead of letting it have its full hearing and and uh, and be dealt with. But it That's does seem like it's going to get a vote. <laughs> yeah, let's yeah, put exactly. riders on everything. Hey, let's pass a bill about like cows or something, and then hey, let's sneak this thing in. The and I will say this is a bipartisan <laughs> bill, so this is not political in any way. Yeah. I see both sides. I just want to be I making think very both clear sides to people are terrible. out there. That's, that's <laughs> it. Yeah. Um, but, no, and I mean it made a, a bit of sense with the with the debit cards because they were charging, I believe, uh, and I haven't read about it in a while, but I believe they were charging like the same fees as they were for credit card swipes, which is crazy because they're not loaning out the money and stuff like that. Even when they were doing pin payment instead of a, an actual like when you do swipe it as credit, they were getting charged the same fees. So I get that, like that's you know just people taking money to take money. Like if you're doing a pin, it's coming directly out of your bank account. Nothing nothing happened. You're just processing it. So it should be a much lower fee. So I understand that, but we did see debit cards that earned, you know, rewards kind of died at that point. So I don't think it will ever fully die for credit cards, but it definitely, you know, the, the multiples might come down quite a bit. Uh, so we'll see. Yeah. Or bottom line will go up. <laughs> <laughs> bottom line is that there will be less money for the banks and the processors for doing this. And that may or may not help consumers. So it's just, yeah, very complicated, but it's not going to be good for rewards. Let's just put it that way. It's not going to mean that they're going to give out more. If anything, they're going to give out less as they get less. And uh, hopefully this doesn't pass. That's my personal opinion, but uh, we'll continue to follow it. All right. So Target uh, will, <laughs> I know you have a crazy story about American Express, so we'll save that for the end because this is <laughs> I, truly, uh, truly shocking. Um, but let's talk about Target Circle for just a minute. Because um, they had, you know, every year they've had their 10% off gift card deal. It used to be great because you used to be able to go into the store and it was just like an instant discount. And they would always have the limit of like one or two. Um, but, you know, you could just hit up a bunch of cash registers. I just go to the self-checkout, do a time, you know. And usually if you go in the morning at the stores, by the afternoon, the managers would have yelled at all the cashiers to make sure people are only, you know, being limited. But in the morning, they didn't care. So I was able to you know, buy tons of gift cards, either resell them, or a lot of times I just use them for merchandise, for toys, things like that for myself. But anyway, so they had a Target Circle 
they had that offer come back this last what a couple weeks ago, a week and a half ago, but it was targeted because I didn't get that offer. So let's start there. Why target? Why do you why do you hate me? Well, one of my target circle accounts was shut down because they identified me as a reseller. Um, so they I still could use it, but I just don't earn anything. And then the other one I didn't give that, but basically Target's yeah, been tar- up with a lot of offers lately, right? It, yeah, the, that one was targeted at red card holders, which I understand that. And I think they'll still come back with the open one. What is it? Usually around Black Friday or on Black Friday. Yeah, something. right. That's later in the year usually. Yeah. yeah. So I think they'll still come back with that one. And then they've also been having, you know, they always have these Target Circle account awful offers that are, you know, unique to each account. And I've never paid attention to them, but the last few have been good. Like one was spend $75, $70, get $10 back. And it works for third-party gift cards. So I bought like a Delta $50 gift card that I'll use for an Amex incidental because uh, you need a gift card paired up with a credit card for that to work for Amex and incidental credits. And then uh, this last one, I think it was $15 back for spending $50 three times. So I could buy three $50 gift cards in separate transactions and that should work. So that's, you know, these are actually getting somewhat... Amex offer-ish, uh, getting, getting up there pretty well. So definitely check your accounts. When we post it on the uh, the website, we post all these deals. But I don't know how long it'll work for third-party gift cards. But it's one way to get YouTube TV cheaper, I guess, right? Yeah, that's a good point. And uh, the other thing Target's had, speaking of Red Card, is they've been running that, 40, what is it, $40 off future shopping trip, something like that. They've been running that sign-up promo quite a bit and extending it. And do you know if there's a limit to the number of uh, red cards people can have? Because it seems like I know people are churning those, right? I, I'm yeah. not, but you can have you can only have one at a time. Uh, but you can like once you close one, you don't have to wait in between. So once you close one, I think it's a couple days, and you can sign up. So you could get one every promo, or I think some people are getting more than one every promo. But that's that's a lot of work for forty or eighty dollars. I will say the forty dollar works in store once and then online once, so it's really eighty dollars. I don't think it's technically supposed to work that way, but it does because uh, there's different codes for each one. So, hey, if you want some free groceries, there you go. Get the debit card. doesn't have a hard pull. And then uh, just call in and close it. Call in in the evening when it's uh, you know, a foreign call, call center and you won't get as much grief, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I, I know people are doing it, so I, feel, I felt like it was worth mentioning it uh, to them. And I feel like if Target's doing all these deals going into the holidays, it's probably a good sign um, to pay attention to the program because you'll probably get some uh, some decent stuff. And that's always been a quirk of their coupons. I don't know if at some point they'll fix it or not, but uh, that they work in-store and online. So, uh, like, I know they, for in years past, I would get, you know, they would have a thing where you'd shop and then you get a discount on a future shopping trip. And those coupons always would work online or in person and you could use them once each, so... It's the cashier always looks thing. at you weird when you're like, no, 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 give that back. I, I need that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's uh, I used to do. Yeah, I used to do it online first because I had that happen before where like the self-checkout person wants to to take it. Uh, but they they fixed their self-checkouts. I haven't done it this year on any of the coupons, but they would uh, usually every year. They also have if, if, this is actually a good tip for people buying toys. They usually have a ten dollar off 50 or a twenty five dollar off 100 toy sale. Um, at some point during the holidays and, uh, those coupons, you can, you know, you can use, uh, both. And sometimes they've, and they've had different versions of it where you had unique coupon codes, or sometimes it's just a generic one. Um, but yeah, look for that sale as well. If you want to save on toys, uh, for the holidays, 
uh, even if you get specific offers, a lot of times they'll work both online and in store. And uh, yeah, good sales. I hate so. I hate as the kids get older because you know shopping for the holidays gets more difficult. They don't want toys anymore, so you're like, crap. You know what? What do you want? It's always something expensive, or like just give me money so I can save for something. Else. And it's not as fun. So you know that's my sad story. I think this might be like the last year Charlotte is somewhat still into toys, and Connor's like, no, I don't want, I don't want any of that stuff. I don't want a Halloween costume. I'm over all of it, and I'm. I'm just sad over here in the corner. <laughs> growing up, growing up, yeah. Just wait till. Uh, see, I, I feel like at Connor's age, he probably still wants some cool stuff, though. Um, yeah, it's like games, yeah. you know, video games, stuff like that. Well, you know, my nephew wants an Oculus. He's about the same age as Connor, so that stuff's cool. Like we're getting towards the zone for boys, at least. Like that, I buy something for him, but it's also for me. <laughs> so that works. That <laughs> works nice. out, but yeah. Yeah, so we got to get uh, I got to get Charlotte to Bippity Boppy Boutique uh, one more time, you know, before she gets out of the old willing to dress up as a princess and get her hair done and all that stuff. Yeah, one more time. That's the thing though about girls, though, right? They don't want anything that we want, so we can't get those yep. gifts that we can. Most uh, of the time, no. Yeah, that's true. Although I know you have a secret uh, desire for for a princess dress from Disney. I know. Hey, that, uh... I bought that trunk from Amazon a while ago. None of it fit her, though. <laughs> Do you remember those? I thought you were going to say princess... none of it fit me. I thought no. you were going to say none of it fit no. me. <laughs> remember those, uh, what was it, like three, four years ago, they had the trunk yeah. and it had like four different we dresses in it. it. And I thought it was going to be really cool and none of it fit. It was perfectly for her age. She was right in the middle of the age range, but they were all like small on the small side. And I won't, yeah, we'll just keep it. I won't say how you describe the look of those clothes, those princess dresses. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, something you yeah, see not, on the not corner the highest... somewhere. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> All right, so moving on, uh, moving on. So yeah, so American Express. Uh, apparently, they never close your account. Is that is that what I, I know? You're going to tell the story about all this that happened, but you know, not to give away the the ending here. But America, you know, you had this. I don't know. You can take it away, but I'm shocked. I'm just shocked. It's just letting everybody else out there know that I'm shocked that American Express will allow somebody to charge your card long after it's closed. Um, but yeah, yeah, tell your story. And, and they, do, they do this warning when you close it, like make sure that you cancel any, you know, uh, subscriptions you have or monthly billings because we'll still let those go through type of thing. You know, and this, this goes back to our Mexico City trip. I uh, checked in. I had two separate reservations, one for Wednesday night, one for Thursday through Sunday. You know, when I checked in, they said, you want to use the card on file? I said, no, I want to use the one in my wallet slid it in paid for wednesday or or at least the deposit for the trip or whatever because they charged me but then they like charged me twice on on this other card so i don't know exactly what they were doing it's very weird so paid it once forgot to stop by uh when i was leaving to check out and uh, make sure it was paid again and i called them because we had found out that they were charging in pesos versus u.s dollars which normally you want but this was we booked it in U.S. dollars and then they were turning it into pesos at a bad rate. And then you would turn it back into U.S. dollars with your card. So it was like six, seven, eight dollars more a night. So I called and said, hey, I want to be charged in U.S. dollars. They said we couldn't do it. And I didn't want to argue on the phone because uh, I was in the Uber on the way to the airport. So I said, OK, just charge the card that I used to pay. And they're like, all right, we'll charge the one on file. And that to them, I guess, meant and, you know, part of this could be, you know, a language barrier and stuff. They charged the card that I had in my account, which is a card that I closed in January of 2022. And, you know, this is eight, nine months later. 
I didn't know this at the time. I'm like waiting for this charge to hit. The one charge is on my surpass. The other charge never comes. I'm like, you know, at this point, I'm like, Sean, do you think I got a free stay or what, what's going on here? When it seems too good to be true, <laughs> it never is. I'm like, I don't think I can ever go back to Mexico. I'm going to get arrested. <laughs> so anyways, I get, I get a uh, statement in the mail and I just assume it's my surpass statement, which I'm like, well, I don't think I get paper statements for this one, you know, but okay, that's weird. It had a $140 charge and on my surpass card is like $140 charge. So I didn't look at it super closely. Just assumed that was that. Went to Seattle, came back. It was thrown away, got misplaced. So I couldn't look at it again. And I wrote the article about the story and somebody said, you know, they send out paper statements when it's on a closed account. So maybe that's it. So fire up chat and I'm like, hey, what's going on with this charge? Do I have any outstanding things on my surpass card? The bill that I got in the mail doesn't match the online statement. And they're like, no, I don't have anything. I said, well, let me look up. And I looked up my Hilton account and saw that it was a card that ends in like one 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 zero zero one or whatever, you know, one of the three numbers that Amex uses. I said, can you check if I have any closed accounts with a charge on? And he comes back. He says, yes, there's a $450 charge on that card. And I'm like, how does this go through if I closed it back in January? And they're like, well, because it was on your account as a preferred vendor. So we still process those even after you close the card, which I thought after a couple of months, they just locked this thing down. That's insane to me. Yeah, like I, I can understand wanting to be customer friendly, right? And allowing the charge to go through after for like a subscription or something. But you would think that there has to be a cutoff date for, you know, when they allow charge. I'm sure there probably is, but for it to happen that far into the future is, is crazy. And nowadays, like, I don't pay attention to my statements if they come. Like, I don't look at statements in the mail because, um, you know, every once in a while we get statements that come from new credit card. I, I just feel like it's be so easy to miss that paper statement um, that, uh, yeah. you know. I don't rely on those for American Express at all, so I don't I told, pay too much attention. I totally wouldn't if I didn't write the article and somebody didn't mention it. I wouldn't have gone back and like investigated in depth, and I would have missed that, and I would have got a, another statement with a late fee, and that would have been like, okay, what's what's going on here now? Um, so I paid it over chat, uh, which was cool that I could get it. I was like, how am I supposed to pay this? Because it's not on my online account anymore. I got rid of it, and I don't have the paper statement to mail it in. So he took it over chat used one of the he just said give me the last four digits of the bank account you want to use that's on your account so that went through quickly and all that but i mean heck the post office loses stuff all the time you might not get that paper statement and a couple people in the comments said that's why they never remove an account even after it's closed because they want to see that pop up or at least wait a year or whatever that's still kind of insane to me you know i'm not blameless i should have checked my hilton account what's on there Uh, you know most of the cards are expired so I definitely need to update that, you know, maybe check your Amazon accounts because I know people have like 20 cards on there and half of them are probably, you know, not billable anymore. But Amex could have just denied the charge. The hotel would have got alerted that it was denied or, you know, before when they try to do a test charge or whatever. No, it's not going to work. And then they come back to me or whatever. It just seems I don't understand this this setup. It seems very customer unfriendly. I don't earn any points on it because it's a closed account. So I lost out there potential to, to ruin your credit off of something like this you know think of it was like a ten dollar charge for you know a serious satellite radio or something and that ends up tanking your credit 200 points because it's on a card that you closed i just don't i think this is terrible yeah i wonder if it has something to do with the fact that you reserve the hotel and they check the card at the time of reservation and so that puts them on the list it, it is scary though because uh, just the thought of you know 
of not seeing it and then what would happen and, and just fixing that mess, even if you were able to fix it. Yeah, I agree with you. It's it's the too much downside. Yeah, and that, that all could have been done. You know, Hilton should be checking these cards and it should just say, nope, not a not a good card. You know, don't don't process it. And then they'd say, you need to add a new card to make this reservation. Like, I feel like there's steps in place that could have been done, you know, and I could have, should have done it myself for sure. And now I will. I'll definitely be t- paying attention when I make a reservation, what cards on file uh, going forward. But it just seems like, yeah, there's there's a lot of downside here and very little upside for the consumer. It definitely protects uh, the, the business uh, somewhat. And then Amex is getting free money, basically. They get the swipe fee. They don't have to pay out any points, you know watch they'll probably send me a bill for the annual fee now (laughs) reactivate (laughs) everything but uh, no it's just bizarre like the the, that there's no alert you should get an email alert hey closed account was charged this was this you something you get it for trying to spend six bucks at you know mcdonald's but you don't get it for a closed account i think that should be an alert email and text at the minimum i agree hopefully somebody at amex is listening because uh, that would be really nice to, to to send you that. I know that I will now be paying closer attention to any paper statements that come from Amex. Um, I think I don't, I don't think, think they're the only ones that do this. So all paper statements, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I, I thankfully it hasn't happened before um, to me, and so and it hasn't happened to you before. So it seems like this is pretty isolated, but a good reminder to be on top of stuff. And uh, yeah, I learned you learn something every day. I did not know that they would charge an old account number eight, nine months after the fact, and it would still work. <laughs> yeah, I get like a month or two, but nine months of no activity, it should just be locked down. That makes me nervous. Like something from two years ago could just randomly get billed. I don't know. Crazy. Crazy, crazy stuff. But uh, I think that's going to do it for this week's show. Lots of interesting stuff that we talked about. And uh, there's articles for most of the stuff. Mark's uh, story, the free night certificate changes, uh, all of that stuff on the website. Joe... Should hopefully be back with us next week. You can find him at asthejoeflies.com. Mark, where can people find you when they're not listening to this fine podcast? You can find me on Twitter at Detroit Mark. Email me, Mark, at Miles to Memories. Comment on the articles on the website. Join the Facebook groups. Uh, lots of ways to get a hold of me. How about you? Yeah, we're at Miles to Memories all over social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We have our Facebook group. Uh, then, of course, all of our posts, podcasts, and videos at milestomemories.com. Man, like ever since I talked about us almost hitting 30,000 subscribers on the YouTube channel, like our subscriber count has gone up so slow, uh, but we're like single Ding, digits away. Or we're, like, we're like 50 <laughs> people away. So uh, hopefully this week will actually be the week. Uh, we'll hit 30,000 subscribers, youtube.com forward slash milestomemories if you're into Vegas. But uh, no matter how you consume our content, thanks so much for listening. Talk to you next time. See you next week.